Radio. This is Catholics Read on cradio.org.au. Hello and welcome to this episode of Catholics Read. I'm Luke. And I'm Kiara. And I'm Victoria. And in this episode, Victoria, what, what are we doing this time around? We are going to discuss The Awakening of Miss Prim by Natalia San Martin Finolera. In a bout of procrastination, I've been listening back to our episodes and I have been... <laughs> I do that sometimes I've, too. I've gotten so embarrassed because there are a few, a few books where I've tried to summarise them and it has just gone pear-shaped, the, the most notable one being Sense and Sensibility. So instead of me trying to um, paraphrase this, I'm going to quote from an article by um, Trevon Wax um, where he has a brief summary um, of this book. It says... Here's the gist of the storyline. A well-educated woman, Prudencia Prim, moves to the village of San Irenio de Anois and takes a job as the private librarian for an eccentric man, think C.S. Lewis, a master of languages who carefully tends to the education of multiple children. He is also a practicing Catholic with a deep appreciation for gifts inherited from Western civilization. As Miss Prim gets to know her boss, the children and the people who make their homes in this village, she finds herself drawn to dif- a different belief system and a new way of life. Oh. Yeah, so that's pretty much sums it up. Um, thank you to, to Mr. Wax. You've <laughs> made my life a lot easier. Um, and it's this kind was of like Babette's Feast, but with <clears throat> libraries instead of food. Actually, it is a little bit like Babette's Feast. It's a really good um, comparison in a way. Miss um, Prim is, is um, an outsider coming into this village and she starts to notice different things. Her um, mysterious employer who schools a, a bunch of the children from the village within his mansion and he's got this library and she has um applied to be the private librarian there she starts to notice different things like the people in the village you know all look you in the eye and they they grow all their produce and trade it with each other and everyone runs their own business and it's all it's it's just this fantastic little village um and her employer who sneaks off well, doesn't sneak off he he goes to the abbey in the morning and doesn't come back for a while and she starts to realize this man has different values to what she has. She's a well-educated woman. She is of no religion and she sees that as um, a positive in her life. A positive thing. She's not swayed by any biases or um, you know, spaghetti monsters in the sky. Not that she uses that, that phrase. Um, and it's about her um, interacting with these children, these children who have been brought up on the classics, who are deep thinkers, um, and the people in the village and this mysterious, the employer who never gets a name. He's called the man in the winged chair because when she first meets him, he's in a winged chair. Mm. He's sort of a, a Mr. Knightley sort of figure in a way for all you Austinites out there. And this book was only published recently in the past few years by a Spanish woman. It was first written in Spanish. It was later translated into English and it has been hailed. This is um, a title from... Um, the wax article I mentioned before, the international bestseller that quietly subverts secularism. And it's just fantastic. A student of mine recommended this to me. Um, She just said, I think you'd really like this. So I did. I gave it a read and I I read it in one night. I didn't go to sleep. Um, (laughs) You had a book hangover, did you? The people that saw me the next day said I did not look good. (laughs) You you had a book hangover. I just couldn't let – I just couldn't – go to sleep not knowing how this ended because this woman is just having all these fascinating conversations with all these people about truth, about beauty, about marriage, about um, language um, and conversion and all these things. And she's slowly 
changing her mind about things, but not not all the way. It actually ends on a bit of a cliffhanger, which is I actually quite like. Mm. Um, and it's you know, it's just fa- fascinating. You know, uh, mentions all these all these saints and all these um, great thinkers of the past, and, and oh, it's just it's so good. And everyone in the village like you know eats apple pie and takes time to sit down with each other and. Oh, it's wonderful. Except obviously the Spanish version of apple pie, though. Not no, the- it's actually apple, apple pie. pie. There was oh. one um, excerpt where this one uh, person, Hortensia, I think her name is, is eating apple pie. Mm, yummy. Anyway. I want apple um, pie now. Thanks, thanks, Victoria. <laughs> <laughs> I really, really recommend this book. Um, it's You feel like it's a breath of fresh air. I felt like I was sort of listening to a kindred spirit when I was reading this this book. Um, I'd love to read anything else by this author, though. I, I think it's all in Spanish. So, yeah. Actually, no, I don't think she's written, written anything else. There you go. Please, please write other things. <laughs> I, I like your writing. It. Huh? What's the name? The, the one who wrote... Natalia um, said no, 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 oh. no. The one who wrote uh, To Kill a Mockingbird. Oh, um, uh, Harper Lee. Lee. That's yeah, yeah. right. Uh, she did write another book. She did, right before she died. Was that the Or oh, was released Watchmen? just before she died. Yeah, the, uh, the... Yeah, the... Um, Watch watch clock something or rather yeah. something. I've not, I've not read it yet. I haven't read it either. I've heard me. I've heard some mixed reviews about it. Oh, mm. that's a shame. Yeah. I thought it well, might be a good idea to like. She never read a wanted few. to write it. Yeah. She yeah, never wanted true. to like. She never wanted to write it. She just wrote it and then, um, because everybody wanted to know what happened, so she wrote it out of frustration. If oh, anything. see, it's the Matrix problem. Yeah, that's not good. Yeah. Oh. Go set a watchman. That's what it's. That's Harper Lee's second book. Um, oh, okay. Go set a watchman. Yeah, you should never be forced into writing something. It's never going to be as good as if yeah. you know you're compelled by passion to do it. Yeah. Um, hmm. I thought it might be a good um, place to start with reading some quotes from the book. Obviously, not going over the ten percent copyright thing. <laughs> <laughs> I know you too well now. <laughs> Can't go. Hey, no, no, no. Well, it's really, ten- it's really serious. Actually, you, I know it's really serious. I'm a teacher. Because yeah. we're not, uh, because we're not in an education context. Hmm? The ten percent thing doesn't matter because we're not in education. Really, what's content. the percentage? Well, it's I don't. Even as remember. long as you attribute, as long as you attribute it in fair use, it's okay. Uh, but we don't have a fair use thing in Australia. We well, we should change it. that. Anyway, am I anyway, allowed to quote look, anything? If you, yes, yeah, yes, you're you allowed okay. to quote. Fantastic. As long as it's as like, long as you're not pretending it's yours. No, this well, is this and is <laughs> taking away from. From, anyway, we're advertising I've, the book. Believe sh- me, I've had a whole thing about this. All right, <laughs> not written by myself. Written by Natalia San Martin. Fenolera. I think that's how you say it. And this is um, uh, s- some advice that one of the people from the village gives to Miss Prim. She says, you say you're looking for beauty, but this isn't the way to achieve it. My dear friend, you won't find it while you look to yourself as if everything revolved around you. Don't you see? It's exactly the other way around, precisely the other way around. You mustn't be careful. You must get hurt. What I'm trying to explain, child, is that unless you allow the beauty you seek to hurt you, to break you, and to knock you down, you'll never find it. Later on in this conversation, she starts to talk about how this beauty that you're looking for, she says, in the end, you find beauty to be not in something, but someone. It's fascinating. I've, ne- I've never read a contemporary fiction book that, that talks about Catholicism ever. The word Catholic is actually never used. Um, at one point, someone talks about one character being devoted to the to the Roman Rite, the lit- the liturgy of the Roman Rite, Shows and someone how embedded and, it is in their and culture. Some, someone in the someone in the know would be like, "Well, that's that's Catholicism," but they actually don't. I don't even think they talk about. They say the name of Jesus. 
they're talking about this person of truth. Um, and I think it's because this, this, it's from the perspective of Miss Prim, this outsider. And so it, um, I don't know how to put this. I think they're slowly eased, like these people around her are slowly trying to ease her into, mm. you know, the way, the truth, and the life. And they're not Very loving to, thing to do. Yeah, it's it's beautiful. This this story of um, a very small section of a conversion story. Mm. As I told you, it doesn't tell you how it ends. It ends on a cliffhanger. Mm. But um, later on it talks about um, marriage and about complementarity because she starts asking about um, those sort of things. Um, later on they talk about Tolkien and C.S. Lewis and sort of like, platonic ideas of how this is not the real world this is um this is a mere shadow of what is to come mm. and what else do they talk about they talk about education the man in the wing chair says to her oh i think it's him oh now i'm not sure who who said it if you were convinced that the world had forgotten how to think and teach if you believed it had discarded the beauty of art and literature if you thought it had crushed the power of truth would you let that world educate your children Fascinating. Ooh, fascinating. Mic and drop. Yeah. Um, I can't remember who says this. I think it's the I kind of want to say no, chair, but I'm um, not sure. I kind of want to say no. No, yeah. no, no, thank you. I'll look after my own children. Well, thank the, you very I, much. the idea of this village of, uh, what is it? San Iranio de Anwar. I think that's what it's called. Are all these people, it's set in modern day times, these people who have left society. You know, they only hmm? whereabouts in Spain is it? Okay, I know what you're a, thinking. Yeah, no, it's um, not the same place. No, 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 no. Uh-huh. It's to to me, it sounded like it didn't belong to anywhere in geography. Sometimes they mention places in America, like they're close by, and sometimes they mention other places. I think it's deliberately ambiguous. Yeah, yeah ambiguous. Okay. Um, these people have left the world in such a way. Well, they actually haven't. They live close enough to a city that they can go in and get their supplies and stuff like that, but they live in their own sort of... um, Is this the fictional version of the Benedict option? A little bit, but not in different... Let's not go there, actually. Let's let's not go there. (laughs) Yeah. But anyway... But I just put that question out there. The thing is, though, that non-believers also live in this community. Okay. So a lot of the friends she makes... Maybe it's a Chesterton option. The people she gets along with most are actually the people that aren't of the faith but have been drawn to this society because of their... Um, they're called to get back to the basics and to, to love okay. literature and to grow your own things and to encounter the people and know the people in your community. Mm. Um, yeah, I just really liked this book. Did I agree with absolutely everything in it? Of course, that's never going to happen. But, um, yeah, it's, it's worth a read because there's this, this woman, Prudentia Prim, thinks that she is, you know, anachronistic and upholds beauty, truth and, and goodness, but she realises that she's actually – not doing that as much as she can. Um, yeah, she might write letters and and be a little bit old fashioned, but she's 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 not do, she's only doing it at half. She's actually half, a half very level. she's actually a very modern person, and mm. I think that's half the battle in this book. Her realizing that what it means. Yeah, it's yeah. a good book. Keeping keeping all the the, the um, vestiges. Of a of a time gone by is not keeping the substance. Absolutely. Yes. Um, yep. Yes. Yeah. And I think that's something she she has to come to terms with. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's interesting. Wow. Wow. I think I want to read this book. It's it's an sounds, it's a very unique book. Yeah. So mm. it kind of sounds like. I mean, it seems like it's got echoes of like Jennifer Fulweiler's experience of learning about God. But I was it's just also, reading that on the train this morning. A yeah. little bit, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, no, no. There's, there's, yeah, I mean, completely different style of book and completely different way of approaching it at all. But 
So it's kind of that intellectual journey, mm. if that makes sense. For her, it seems much more of it's – correct me if I'm wrong, I haven't read the book here, people, but it seems like the intellectual journey is mapped but not necessarily the leap that you make into no, faith and into no, relationship. absolutely not. Because that's – I mean, that, oh, for me, that's ultimately what it is. You can go oh, – your intellect can only take you so far. Yeah, and, and so it, it is following that. It's also following her heart because her yeah. heart yearns for these things, mm. I think, before her mind sort of catches up. Yeah. And there are all these, like, fantastic dialogues between her and her and the man in the winged chair. And at one point she's talking about, you know, finding God and finding God. And he's like, no, you don't understand. This is more like um, a, a child and a, and a father playing hide and seek. And the father knows exactly where the child is and lets him Let's the, let's, child, the child. let's the child find him. Yeah. And that's probably that's probably my favourite part of the book, actually, that yeah. dialogue that happens mm-hmm. um, because she she and we, because, you know, we need to be reminded of these things constantly, she, she learns a lot and it's um it's, it's just a fascinating book. Mm. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. I think I might have to get myself a copy of that book and read yeah. it. There are lots of just, like, great little, like, shout-outs to, like, classical authors and saints and things like that. Like the man in the wing chair will walk into a room holding, like, St. Bede's histories or something like that. They don't mention that ever again. She just notices that he's holding it. So yeah. if you're one of those people, you might Google that later and give it a read. Mm. Or she'll be putting away, like, um, you know, the confessions onto a, onto a shelf before something else happens in the book. And you're like, what is that? So you might Google it. Um, you know, they talk about Is it done in a good way, though? Because, like, I'm so. sort of worried that it's a little bit like a, sometimes Dan Brown is caricatured as, uh. like, like, you know, if I mention this was, famous person, that makes me sound smart. Yeah, it's like mm. I was holding my Nokia uh, telephone. <laughs> and yeah, it doesn't sound. You mean Mercedes? It's an awkward product placement kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't believe it is. I think you could read a little bit more into it and be like, at this part part in the book, she's maybe thinking this and maybe that. Like, uh, okay. I'm not, I'm not so really it's more sure. Of a, okay. To be honest, I wasn't reading this as a English critic. teacher. Yeah. I really wasn't. I was just, you know, sleep deprived. Uh, you know, <laughs> Best lo- lo- loving it, like just reading it for pure entertainment. So yeah. I can't give a lot of commentary That's in terms right. of is That's it well written, is it this I, or that. I didn't care. Who cares? Yeah. You liked Who cares? it. Yeah. Who cares? You liked it. The end of story. Wait. Mm. <laughs> that goes against everything we've just been talking about. <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> All right. Uh, awesome. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, I, I mean, reckon- sorry, what were you going to say? Well, no, I mean, the reason why I asked where where it was supposedly set, where this mm. village was, um, partially was because of some of the incredible things that are going on in the Basque region in um, of Spain, which maybe she was, um, may, she may have been, she may have been influenced by that. She probably would have been if she's a Spanish author. She no doubt would have been because there is uh, there is a world a very very valuable, well, not valuable, the wrong way to put it, but there's a world class. Um, economy in uh in in the basque region in spain that's emerging um built purely out of cooperative mostly out of cooperatives that's really where everybody owns everything all sort of built on the all built by catholics and on catholic principles of catholic social teaching kind of thing let's move there yeah, there's a, a town in, there's a town in, yeah. in the Basque region called Mondragon that's particularly famous for it. Oh. Um, According to Clara Geegan, I remember reading an article by her in the Catholic Weekly. She says, Googling Mondragon, however, <laughs> leads you to some left-wing socialist websites which extol the virtues of labour, independent of humanity's spiritual nature. This was not Don Jose Maria, who was the priest who sort of kicked this off, mm. this vision. 
but yeah, I guess that's someone who can probably look up as well. It's yeah. um, as in look, s- I apologize, Jose Maria. No, 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 no. Okay, no, just no. checking. Don. I thought that as well. Okay. Um, no, 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 but no, 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 no. It's um, uh, Jose Maria. Okay, I'm really, I'm sorry to all the Spanish-speaking people out. Arismendia Rieta. That's my go at it. I'm yeah, not going to yeah. attempt again. Again, I apologize. If he's Basque, that's actually pretty good. There are no X's in it. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't even know. But yes. Um. So because I was thinking that as well. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I've heard about I mean, this. It's kind of like. Yeah. So it sounds like a similar, although that's very kind of like the economic side of things. Um. Whereas what Victoria is kind of looking at is more of a. It does kind of sound like like a Benedict Option utopia. Well, Um, I've been reading interviews with this author and the interviewers have been asking, you know, you've written about this this type of utopia and she does comment on that. Um, It's just worth looking up the interviews yourself, to be honest. I'm not going to paraphrase them. But there is nothing wrong, I believe, with writing sometimes about something that's utopic. I hope that's a word. And the same reason why we write about dystopias as well. Absolutely, because at least from my perspective, you read it and you're like, man, yeah, that's something I'd like to strive towards. Am I going to get there? Probably not. But it's good to have like a... And we can sort of emulate things like that within our own families. We might we might not be able to create a whole society. And, in fact, there's possibly a certain danger in attempting to create a society like that. Um, but, again, that's for the people to... <laughs> I went to a conference the other day and um, uh, Philip Amada was talking about sort of the Benedict option. She has this term for the whole option crowd she calls them optionistas <laughs> <laughs> that is so good the optionistas the optionistas um and yeah but that's pretty funny this, um okay I, I guess yeah so that's for the optionistas uh and the anti-optionistas to debate um but yeah look in terms of like just emulating you know what kind of life do i want for my family what kind of life do i want for the people around me how can i emulate this here and now um, in, in my own life and strive towards that. Um, but, yeah, that's really cool, Victoria. I definitely want to read that yeah, book. Yeah, well, there, the few things that I took away from it, like I took many things away, was number one, gosh, I want to, I, I need to read more. Like, you know, all these – the people in these books read – they read a lot and they reflect and they discuss. And I just thought, yes, it's – it's what I aim towards, but I often fall very short of that. And they also Start have – doing a more PhD. More sleepless nights, <laughs> They have also – mastered the art of hospitality someone comes around wanting to have a chat there's tea there's a homemade something there and the person isn't checking their phone they're not doing this they sit down with them for a few hours looking at them Mm. discussing treating them you know um core at core loquita um Heart to heart. Yep. Yeah, heart speaks to heart. Henry Henry Newman's. Okay. I didn't um, know what Lockwood I meant. But. Sorry. Uh, locution, um, so discussion. Okay. Yeah, like yeah. being loquacious, I think, comes from that. Yeah. Um, Elocution, that for yeah. example. That's that's Cardinal John Henry Newman's um, motto. Mm. And I saw that very much coming through. Um, people encountered people. It's a very JP2 thing, to be honest. Yeah. People yeah. Said very personalistic. It's actually a real art form. And even in politics, it makes a huge amount of difference. There are particular political leaders that people who become quite extraordinary. So George W. Bush, for example, everybody makes fun of him for being, you know, um, awkward or being a terrible public speaker. And indeed, he was a very wooden public speaker and, you know, he made mistakes all over the place. And yet he got elected somehow. How did he get elected? Well, everybody who ever encountered him said that when he walked into the room, suddenly the mood would change. That's, That's interesting. And yeah. if you spoke, if he spoke, if you spoke with him or had a conversation with him, 
honestly, you felt like you were the most important thing in the world. You were the yeah. most important person in the world. What you had to say mattered the most at that time. He was president of the United States. He had a million things going on, right? But whenever he spoke to someone, he had this way of making them feel like their conversation was the most important conversation right now in this moment and the most important conversation in the world. Mm. Big, 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 big deal. That's why people voted for him. That's why people voted for him because that's what he was able to communicate. And you don't see that through a TV screen. Yeah. You yeah. do not see that through a TV screen at all. Compare that to, say, Tony Blair, who was a contemporary of his, polar opposite, really shy, fantastic orator, you know, known for, you know, having a silver tongue or whatever, but was not able to, but did not have that same personable presence mm. at all, mm. was much more reserved, much more shy. Um, and this is, and these observations were noted, by the way, by John Howard, who knew both men and interacted okay. with both men, yeah. um, and got to see both of them up close and per- up close and personal. Personal. And John Howard is said to have had that gift for making you feel like the most important person okay. in the world, which is again why he got elected. Yeah, in yeah. democratic politics, it really matters. It's an important mm. skill. Well, it's a, well, it's a I gift. It's-, it's a gift, but it's also a skill you can cultivate. I think it speaks to this this hole in in the human person mm. um, of, you know, not being not being seen anymore. Mm. And I think, you know, this is – The atomization of individualism. That's right. And I think it, perhaps it's a little bit of a longbow, but, um, you know, I think it's why people are choosing smaller tertiary institutions now, Notre Dame, Camping College, things like that, because you're not a number anymore. You, are, you are kind of I think seen. it's also why sort of people in their 30s and that – this is just anecdotally, but – there's a drop in people. People are turning off social media. Mm, and I I've think qu- it's in part Facebook? because people are like, yeah, because people are just like, you know what? I've, I'm I'm spending too much time on this thing where all I'm doing is just being- Is yelling at people. Is either being a celebrity or an audience member. I'm not being mm. a person. Um, and, you know, it's, yeah, I, I think you're noticing that with, with sort of people in their, like, I think it's in their 30s, I think, you know, um, and possibly even like us, uh, Cara, I'm late a little 20s. bit. I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit. I'm probably a little bit ahead of my ahead of my <laughs> curve. But I haven't quit all social media. I quit Facebook because I spent way too much time on it, and it prevented me. F- it was actually getting to the point where I wasn't interacting with real people, and I was like, "Ooh, ooh, that's a problem." Mm. Even my, my then husband, my now husband, noticed it as well. He was like, "Yeah, you probably do spend a little bit too much time on it." So I'm yeah, like, you know what? Yeah. It can go. It can go. How much? Yeah. Because if you think about it, Facebook exists to make money for someone else. Why am I giving that much time to make money for someone else? Like, Mm. look at it that way. These are businesses. Yeah. Yeah. Whose kingdom? I don't want to build Zuckerberg's kingdom. Not with Mm. my time. Thank you very much. Unless he's going to pay me to do it. (laughs) You know, seriously. And again, you know, ask the same thing about how much time you spend on Twitter. I probably spend a little bit too much time on Twitter, but it's not as bad as Facebook for whatever reason. Ask about Snapchat. Ask about whatever social media you use. Mm. You know, are you really seeing people or are you just seeing products? And that's not nice if you really think about it, not especially when there are more important people to you, obviously, that should matter to – that you should invest your time in, not in this endless, you know – what do you call it, performance of social media. Yeah. Mm. Food for thought anyway. Absolutely. Mm. Wow. I think wow, that's a good deep place conversation. To, 
a good place to finish up. Yes. yes. So like Cradio on Facebook and follow <laughs> us on Twitter. Um, if you're still on there. Yes. Uh, after this. No, um, seriously though. Um, yeah, that was awesome, Victoria. Thank you very much for Thanks that. Thanks for sharing and that. I'm going to look that up and have a read of yeah. it myself. Looks, yeah. It sounds awesome. So uh, I guess I'm possibly next up on Catholics Read. I don't know. We'll let you know. Mystery text. So, yeah, we'll um, see you next time on Catholics Read. Bye. 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 That was an episode of Catholics Read from cradio.org.au.